In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some days ago I mentioned that modern biblical critics, some of them, fortunately they're becoming fewer and fewer, but there were biblical critics, uh, mostly non-believers, unfortunately, who believed the Gospel of John to be not only late, which in that frame of, of, of uh, in that perspective means that it's further from Jesus because it's late, supposedly, but also that the Gospel of John has little use for the Passion, that the Christ of the Gospel of John, in the words of one critic, strides far above the earth as a god and never quite touches terra firma. Whereas the Christ of the Synoptics is, is perhaps more human, uh, something of this order. This is what used to be said. The church not only rejects this, but to show how central the passion, according to the Gospel of John, is to who Jesus is, the church reads more of the Gospel of John during Passion Tide. Because the Gospel of John does not simply tack on, as the critics, these critics say, uh, just a, a, a little story of the Passion because, well, the other synoptics had it, so people are looking for this, so we'll just tack something on. This is literally what some of the critics used to say. The passion is the central point of the Gospel of John. And it all converges on this particular Gospel that we read today. This short paragraph, a very short Gospel, wherein our Lord hanging upon the cross, looks at the beloved disciple and looks at his blessed mother by the cross to the son, to his own son in, in our Lord, in, 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 in God, his son John, his beloved one, who, as I said, according to Origen, received the Gospel of John from the very heart of Christ, laying on the breast of Christ, hearing his heartbeat, that somehow the inner dispositions of the heart of Jesus were communicated to him, and out of it came the Gospel of John. So the Gospel of John is more than an eyewitness account. It certainly was written by an eyewitness, the church assures us of this, but it's not merely an eyewitness account. It is from the heart of Jesus himself. And so from the pierced heart of Jesus, at the cross, at this moment in which the Gospel of John is at its most potent and powerful, our Lord says, 
to John, the beloved disciple, Behold your mother. And to his mother, Behold your son. This is more than Jesus saying, John, take care of my mother. Mother, you know, John's going to take care of you. Sometimes it's actually set up that way. This is Adam and Eve standing at the tree of life. There's a man and a woman standing by the tree of life. The scripture says, and you shall see your life hanging before your eyes. The life of the world hung before the eyes of the new Eve. Christ, the new Adam, then says his beloved disciple is the new Adam. That every disciple of Christ who becomes a son of Mary is the new Adam. This is everything. This goes back to Genesis. This is the healing of mankind. This is the setting of things straight. And it's through the mother of God and her maternity to the church and to every one of us because every one of us become another Jesus, another Christ with Mary as our mother and the church as our mother. Mary and the church are intimately connected. What you say about the church in her perfection, in her heavenly state, is what you say about Mary, and vice versa. So that Cardinal Ratzinger once wrote that the dogmas, the modern dogmas of uh, concerning Our Lady, of her immaculate conception and the assumption are as much statements about the church as their statements about Our Lady herself. The Church is immaculate and was in the mind of God from eternity. The Church's destiny is to, be, is to be caught up with Christ into heaven. And so the Church is saying, the Church is divine, the Church is perfect, the Church is going with God to be all in all. And so far from being a little thing that's tacked on to the gospel, this moment at the cross is crucial. It's interesting also that the liturgy does not appoint uh, for this day the uh, pericope from the Gospel of Luke in which Simeon says, a sword shall pierce thine own heart also. That is certainly there, but the gospel that is given is the gospel by the cross from John. It's very significant. It's very significant. I'd like to read to, to, uh, to conclude the absolutely gorgeous and heartrending hymns that are sung in the Slavic uh, churches of the Byzantine rites, so the Orthodox churches, as well as the Greek Catholic churches of the Slav Slavic tradition, 
on Good Friday for Compline. At Compline on Good Friday, in the Byzantine Rite, the Church sings this. When she beheld her Son and Lord hanging on the cross, the pure virgin was torn by grief, and weeping bitterly with the other women, she cried out, Woe is me! I see thee, dearest and beloved child, hanging on the cross, and my heart is wounded bitterly, said the pure virgin, but in thy love speak some word to thy handmaiden. By thine own will, my son and my creator, thou endurest a fearful death upon the tree, said the virgin, standing by the cross with the beloved disciple. How am I deprived of him who is my hope, my joy, my gladness of my son and my God? Woe is me, my heart is filled with anguish, said the all-pure weeping. For fear of the Jews, Peter has hid himself, and all the faithful have fled, forsaking Christ, said the virgin lamenting. By thy strange and fearful birth, my son, I have been magnified above all mothers, but woe is me, inwardly I burn as I see thee now upon the cross. I wish to take my son down from the wood and to hold him in my arms, as I once held him when he was a little child, said the all-pure. But alas, there is none to give him to me. See my life, my sweet light, my hope, my son and my God has been quenched upon the cross, and because of him I burn, said the virgins, shedding tears. O sun that never sets, O pre-eternal God and creator of all things, how dost thou endure suffering upon the cross, said the all-pure weeping. Lamenting, the virgin mother said to Joseph of Arimathea, O Joseph, go in haste to Pilate and ask to take down the master from the tree. Seeing the most pure shedding bitter tears, Joseph was troubled and came in in sorrow to see Pilate, crying aloud, Give me the body of the Lord. I see thee bruised and wounded, without glory, stripped upon the cross, O my child, and my heart burns, said the virgin, sorrowing with the mother's grief. Broken and distraught by grief, Joseph and Nicodemus took down the all-pure temple of the Master, his body, from the cross, and they made lamentation and sang his praises as their Lord. The pure virgin mother swept as she took him on her knees. Her tears flowed down upon him, and with bitter cries of grief, she kissed him. My son, my Lord and God, thou wast the only hope of thine handmaiden, my life and the light of mine eyes. And now, alas, I have lost thee, my sweet and most beloved child. Woe is me, anguish and affliction and sighing have taken hold of me, cried the pure virgin, bitterly lamenting, for I see thee, my beloved child, stripped, broken, anointed for burial, a corpse. In my arms I hold thee as a corpse, O loving Lord, who has brought the dead to life. Graciously is my heart, grievously is my heart wounded, and I long to die with thee, said the all-pure 
for I cannot bear to look upon thee lifeless and without breath. O God, supreme in love, O Lord, all-merciful, I am filled with horror as I see thee dishonored, lifeless, without beauty, stripped, and I weep as I hold thee. Woe is me! I never thought to look upon thee thus, my son. O word of God, hast thou no word for thy handmaiden? Hast thou no pity, O master, for thy own mother? Said the all-pure, lamenting and weeping, and kissing the sinless body of her son. I reflect, O master, how I never again shall hear thy voice. Never again shall thy handmaiden see the beauty of thy face as in the past. For thou, my son, hast sunk down before mine eyes. Seeing her own lamb led to the slaughter, Mary, his mother, followed him with the other women. And in her grief she cried, Where dost thou go, my child? Why dost thou run so swiftly? Is there another wedding in Cana? And art thou hastening there to turn the water into wine? Shall I go with me, my child, or shall I wait for thee? Speak some word to me, O word, do not pass me by in silence. Thou hast preserved my virginity, and thou art my son and my God. Where, O my son and my God, are the good tidings of the Annunciation that Gabriel brought me? He called thee King and God, and Son of the Most High, and now, O my sweet light, I behold thee naked, wounded, lifeless. Release me from my agony and take me with thee, O my Son and God. Let me also descend with thee, O Master, into hell. Leave me not to live alone, for I cannot bear to look upon thee, my sweet light. With the other women bearing sweet spices, the Holy Virgin lamented bitterly as she saw Christ carried to the sepulchre. Woe is me, she cried, what do I see? Where art thou going now, my son? Why hast thou left me here alone? In her grief, the all-blameless virgin said to the women, Join with me to weep and bitterly lament, for see my sweet light and your teacher is placed in the tomb. And then on Holy Saturday, we read this. It is right to magnify thee, giver of life, who stretched out thine arms upon the cross and broken the power of the enemy. It is right to magnify thee, creator of all, for through thy passion we are freed from passions and corruption. The earth trembled with fear, O Savior Christ, and the sun hid itself, seeing thee, the light that knows no evening, sinking in thy body down into the tomb. Thou hast slept, O Christ, a living, life-giving sleep in the tomb, and aroused mankind from the, from the heavy slumber of sin. Alone among women, without pain I bore thee, my child, said the Holy Virgin, but now at thy passion I suffer unbearable pain. The seraphim, O Savior, beheld thee on high, united inseparably with the Father, yet they saw thee below 
lying dead in the tomb, and they trembled with fear. Through thy burial, O Christ, thou dost destroy the palaces of hell. By thy death thou slayest death, and dost deliver from corruption the children of the earth. To renew the broken nature of mortal men, says Christ, willingly have I been wounded in the flesh by death. O mother, do not strike thy breast in grief. The mother's grief was real. It was real. It was desperate. It was a kind of, certainly not despair, that would not be something that the Immaculate Conception herself would suffer. But like her son, she said, let this cup pass. But there is the flicker of hope in her heart, in her Immaculate heart, that went very, 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 very low, but it was still there. And the same liturgical tradition has, on Easter Day, the visitation of Gabriel in a second Annunciation to announce the rising again of her son. It's very beautiful, the second Annunciation, and then the visitation of the risen Christ to his mother. And so this is a, a very rich feast there's much to think about, much to ponder. Some have said it's too emotional. It's not a sober liturgical celebration. This is not a sober time. This is a time for lamentation. This is a time to share the mother's grief. This is what the church does in her prayer. She wishes to pierce our hearts as well. And so let your heart be pierced with the mother of God. Let your heart be pierced with the Mother of God, especially in this time of, of uncertainty and hopelessness in the hearts of many people. Let your heart be pierced and opened up. Let it be pierced. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.